Hello and welcome to another episode of TLU Current Event Podcast. My name is Jana and today we're talking money. All of them ways of minimizing your budget. Simply surviving on a low or a non-existent income is one thing, but actually living a full and joyous life is a totally different story. So, plus, no matter how much we earn, most of us feel that it is not enough. So, in this episode, we will be covering some ways of cutting down on your costs, no matter what your financial status is. Joining me today in our improvised studio, on that later, uh, is Mr. Smith, who is I would say the best expert in our today's subject. So introduce yourself, please. Hello, I'm so happy to be here today to be able to present a little portion of my life and what I'm doing. Um, so I moved to Tallinn not so long ago. I'm also studying at the university and uh, somehow people found out that I have an alternative lifestyle. So um, basically I am living in an arts community at the moment uh, where my rent is quite cheap. And I am also an avid dumpster diver, which I've been participating in dumpster diving for about maybe seven or eight years now. And there's sort of reason why we will keep your identity secret. Yay! Because uh, for reasons not unknown, but maybe not very legitimate, dumpster diving is illegal in most of the countries. And in Estonia also, it's considered theft of property. Uh, which can be an issue when you're talking about food waste, for example, because obviously a lot of food that is being thrown away is still good, but it's not being utilized in a proper way and it's being thrown away, so it would be changed a little bit. Um, but uh, concerning your lifestyle, what would you say is the most uh, difficult thing for you? Like what what you have to think about financially, for example, do you have to actually spend money on some things? or uh, you get by without giving money at all, or like what biggest troubles you have? No, I, I definitely have to spend money on certain things. I mean, first of all, my identity isn't probably going to be so secret because my voice is very recognizable, hey? <laughs> and, <laughs> no one is going to listen to this. <laughs> second off, um, no, I, I do essentially have to spend money in certain ways. I mean, we're very lucky here that we don't have to pay for public transportation, which is really like an amazing thing. I mean, I do pay rent. My rent is very cheap, I have to say. I'm spending about 70 euros a month for my rent, which is, I think is very lucky because I don't live so far away from the school. I get everything included in it. Um, I do have to buy some things. I don't find everything in the dumpster. We like to say that it's uh, kind of like we have to see what the dumpster gods give us for the day <laughs> or for the week. Um, I spend money in certain ways, of course. Um, sometimes I want to go to certain performances with friends or sometimes I want to you know, do things outside. And when, when you live an outside life, you also have to spend a bit of money. But there are plenty of activities that you can do. There's plenty of free activities around the city. Um, for museums, uh, to free art shows, to free dance shows, to free... There's a lot of free things, you just have to look for them and find a crew that wants to enjoy those things with you. Um, as of dumpster diving, yeah, it's, it's illegal in a lot of places, it's true. And um, concerning the property of theft, no, yeah, the theft of property is 
It's a bit ridiculous because I mean they throw so much out. Uh, it, I, I wish this was like I could show you pictures, but I can't. I'll have to show you a picture with my voice. <laughs> I mean, there's times where I can go into like six trash bins, and there'll be six trash bins just full of everything that you could ever imagine. I'll bring them home, and then what I generally do is I start to process them. So like I'll make 20 kilos of tomato sauce, which will last me for a while. I'll bottle it. I'll start fermenting things. Uh, if I get a lot of garlic or um, I'll start fermenting it, or I can dry it, or I pickle things, or I roast things, and then, you know, I try and find different ways that I can preserve them, uh, and uh, keep them for longer, and be able to use them and implement them into, like, my general yeah, my lifestyle, how I cook and what I eat, and I generally can grab quite a varied diet. I mean, there's times where you can find, like, 50 kilos of avocados inside of a trash bin, and you're like, what is this doing here? Or you find olive oil or honey. Honey, honey never expires. And the reason that they throw it out is because uh, they change the label for the company or um, stupid things like that. There's so many times that they'll be throwing things out and you, you ask yourself, like, there aren't people that could eat this or, you know, just because they're not going to make profit anymore. I mean, you imagine to yourself, like, how much profit they're actually losing. And I think that it's actually incorporated and calculated into their budget that they are going to have a certain amount of waste, you know. And since the system has changed uh, ever since, like, the Walmart system has come into play, uh, you know, maybe, like, um, 20 years ago, people used to keep... Um, stocks in supermarkets. So if there was something out in the supermarket, you would go to the supermarket, you would say, hey, do you have any more of this? No. Nowadays, so what happens is like the Walmart system where uh, they get mm, trucks and trucks of things that come in every certain period of time, and then they automatically shelve it. And then once they're out, they have to wait for the next shipment to come in. So uh, this is usually what happens. So usually sometimes they'll have like uh, overstock of certain vegetables or fruits or um, grains or whatnot. And when that happens is they have to get rid of the old stock and to start using the new stock. So they throw it all out and then I profit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I guess in Estonia it's maybe a little bit less in that sense, but, but it's true that people do not care for the food waste. Uh, again, the labels that have that the foods have uh, concerning the expiration date, for example, in Estonia it's a little bit more regulated in terms of uh, the foods are labeled best buy, as in when they're expected to spoil, but with some things it's just a date that they cannot exceed, like dried rice, for example, it doesn't go bad, but you have to stick up a date on it that, for example, after three years of shelf life, it's considered not good, just because it has to have an expiration date. Uh, but with a lot of things uh, like cheese, milk products, the expiration date is always one or two days before the actual estimated date time. Because, you know, if it spoils earlier, then the customer will complain and then they have problems, I guess, or they're just trying to be cautious about it. Um, but a lot of the things yeah get thrown away a little bit early but also people at home like there's there's big culture of throwing things away when you see that the estimated shelf life has passed and you're like smoke smells fine but i'm gonna throw it away because it says that it's not fine anymore but actually you should trust your judgment more in a lot of in a lot of uh, instances in the united states for example most of uh, the regulations concerning expiration date isn't even regulated by the federal government. It's different in every state. And it's mostly 
in like nine states, it's not even regulated at all. So the companies just decide that okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this product expires at this time, and it's very often not correlated to its actual uh, to it actually being safe or not to eat. And it's just when it's most profitable, when it's the tastier, or when when it's the freshest. Uh, but people do see it as a sign of danger uh, if their food is past expiration date. Uh, a lot of the things that people actually do, uh, which is like on the way to dumpster diving, is just collecting food that is about to be thrown away. For example, one of my friends works uh, in a food store. So uh, what they do is they just basically collect the food before it's being thrown away because they have to throw it away. But it's also sort of illegal because, again, you're sort of stealing the trash, which is the property of the place that is throwing it away. It's the same thing for bakeries. Bakeries always yeah. have to throw things away. At the end of the day, bakeries are amazing places to go to dumpsters because if you need bread, you know you're always going to find good bread at the end of the day and it's going to stay fresh. It's just that they make it on the day, they have to sell it on the day. Good yeah, <laughs> yeah. a lot of actually the like ready-made foods, their, their official shelf life is until the store closes. So all of the like, I don't know, baked potatoes from the hot shelf or like baked chicken, whatever, like ready-made salad, uh, it's... Uh, by law, it's like sort of expired at the moment that the shop closes. So all of that food also goes to waste, but obviously it's still good. But, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there are certain things that I have to spend money on because I'm never always going to get what I want from the dumpster. And uh, certain things, it's, they're more rare occasions. And depending on what my diet is, of course, I, I spend a bit of money, but it's very minimal. When there's these uh, expiration dates, personally, I don't really know about ready-made things because I stay away from them. I personally don't eat these things. I also don't know anything about milk or eggs or meats or any of the sorts. I mean, just my lifestyle. I usually mainly process like um, raw, raw foods. Mm-hmm. So, and it's it's pretty good because uh, especially here in Estonia, one of the things that they do compared to a lot of other countries I've been to. Um, in other countries, they generally throw everything into one big bin, and in Estonia, they have a separate bin. They have the biomass, or bio yeah, like bio waste. Yeah, bio waste bin. Forget um, my pronunciation. <laughs> so it's it's pretty amazing for me because instead of going into a huge huge dumpster and scavenging, which I love, but bye bye. <laughs> I'll miss you. Uh, instead of going into a huge dumpster and trying to scavenge through all of the, I don't know, uh, <laughs> meters of waste that there are, <laughs> you're going around, you feel like a true diver. I just open up my bio waste bin and I pick out everything I need. Ooh, onions, ooh, potatoes, ooh, huh, 10 kilos of um, uh, red bell pepper, you know, anything that you can imagine, you can usually find it. And it's great. <laughs> Well, actually, there's another thing that comes with that, like the separation of garbage, because like it's sort of put in place in Estonia. But when I was working in this one restaurant, and I was involved in this startup brainstorming project thing, where basically they gather a lot of students, and uh, everybody has to come up with like a random idea to do a startup, and then you discuss if it's like doable or not. And one of our ideas was to collect uh, like bio waste from restaurants and to actually pay them like some minimal amount of money for the waste and then to either make some like 
cleaning liquids or to export it to some company who does that, who uh, produces cleaning liquids for home from this biological waste, which is actually they put better quality cleaning supplies because they're safer, usually, uh, for the skin, for example. Uh, but basically the chefs that I was working with just said, uh, ain't nobody got time for that, like we're not gonna sort, like we have so much work. Actually no, there's like a lot of time where, like it's, it doesn't take that much work. But in their eyes it was an extra effort that they would not be willing to do for this like, for the benefit of themselves and the environment and their society. They were just like, you're never gonna get it done. Nobody's gonna be willing to actually separate the garbage properly because most of the restaurants still actually don't do it. Like shops maybe because they're like obligated to uh, separate everything more or less. But I do believe that, that a lot of bio waste actually ends up in the regular bin just because nobody cares that much. It's just easier to throw everything away together. Mm. Uh, but actually, we didn't want uh, to just talk about like no no money living. Uh, one of the things was just to be able to minimize your budget, whatever it is. If you're if you have hundred euros to spare per month, two hundred, three hundred. Some people make thousands. We were talking before that some people can could make like two and a half thousand euros a month and then still complain that they don't have money. Uh, so this also could relate to them just how to organize your budget no matter how much you have how to cut down your costs and uh, if we're talking about food like one one very good thing that you can do if you don't have uh, money in your budget to buy food for yourself it's actually just working in places where they provide food so any not any restaurant a lot of them a lot of them ask you for money to eat which is just ridiculous but a lot of places you can find uh, if you work even as a waiter that they will provide a lunch for you and maybe dinner if you're working full time. So that's a good thing. Also working in hostels, a lot of the times there is like a small kitchen with shared food. Uh, so that's a thing. I guess if you're a student or a foreigner or, you know, you're just new to the city, uh, that's a good way to start. One of my biggest tips for saving and living on a budget would definitely be make everything yourself. Make everything yourself. Everything? Even like clothes? I mean, we're talking about food only, right now. only food. Okay, right now okay. I thought you were just like make everything yourself. But definitely for food, uh, make everything yourself. Yeah. It's always gonna come down to cheaper if you're making it yourself than buying your product. Uh, you're also using less packaging. You're you're actually actively investing in your food. You're putting that energy into something that is actually nourishing you and, and giving you the energy to continue every day. And I think that it's very important that people get in touch with their food again. It's it's a very important product because. Once you start learning to appreciate, you start to see that the same thing that you can buy out, you can make hundreds of for a fraction of the price. Yeah. You, you really, and it gives you a way, one, to actively meditate, to really uh, communicate with yourself and be by yourself for a little while. It uh, gives you the benefit of understanding how food is made, uh, how you process things, and it starts to become like a teaching, uh, a way of learning. Uh, because you learn a lot about yourself when you're interacting with eating your food and you learn about all the different processes that go into actually making food and making food yourself at home and making sure that anything that you can have out, you start to see like, wow, I cook way better than half of the places I'm spending X amount of money for and I'm actually enjoying myself doing it. You know? A lot of the time we say we don't have time or we don't have this, I'm sorry, 
20 minutes. 20 minutes is, is a cookie time for anything. Anything, and not really anything, but you know, well, just I mean, I mean, learn. You can even take a day, one day of the week where you're actually putting energy and effort into preparing everything for the rest of your week. Uh, you know, buying pasta at the store will cost you like two euros for what, 500 grams? It costs you one euro to get two kilos of flour. One euro to get two kilos of flour. You know how much pasta you can make with two kilos of flour? Ridiculous amounts, or bread, or whatnot, you know, just simple things like that, or roasting your own bell peppers, or doing anything. <laughs> There's so many things that you can make at home and that people will spend a good amount of money for just because it's pre-made, and I think it's ridiculous because one, you're wasting packages, and two, like, uh, why not learn how to make it yourself? What annoys me a lot is canned beans, canned lentils, it's like fat fried lentil costs like euros and a like, can of 300 grams of the same thing costs also two euros. Yeah. But lentils expand like three times the size. So you're buying like 10% of what you can buy. It's crazy. And also it doesn't, it's like 20 minutes to cook lentils to solve them. Ten minutes. It's just, it's not time consuming. Like in the moment you just have to sort of anticipate that you're going to be cooking maybe, but I would suggest also buying things in large quantity. Yeah. If you know that uh, you're going to be eating something a lot, it's always much cheaper and much more beneficial for you to buy something in a large quantity than it is to just buy small quantities all the time. Especially things that stay good for quite a long time. Any dried good stays good for a very long time and you'll have the time to eat it all throughout the year. When I do shop, I shop stores that are meant for um, like restaurants and organization find like five kilos of rice in one pack to buy it in your set for half a year. Exactly. Uh, and uh, of course it's going to be a little bit, it seems like it's more expensive because you're putting out more money, but in the long run it's way cheaper and uh, it lasts you much longer. Yeah, I feel, I was, when I was a bit younger, I was making fun of my grandmother going to the shop and being like, oh, this is like three cents cheaper than this thing. But I actually do this now, but I do this with uh, price per kilo or price per liter of things. So if it's reasonably the same quality or like the same kind of thing that I want, you just you don't look at the price of the package because a lot of the times they like the package can seem bigger. Like they have ways sort of making it seem more appealing and make it seem cheaper, but it's just maybe less in quantity. Of course, or... and especially if you're buying a lot of it, it makes a sense because like you know you're going to be buying it out throughout the year, so you're saving a lot of time and energy one because you're only going for it once. You're saving energy in plastic production or in uh, just general material used in order to have it. So if you're going to be buying, you need to be a smart shopper. That's a that's a very important thing. A lot of people forget that like uh, what you decide to spend your money on is also contributing to where that money is going. Do you bike? Mm, I bike, I walk, or I take the boat. Okay. Yeah, it's a mix. I don't live very far, so it depends. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, because uh, as you said, one of the very good things that we have is that if you are resident in Tallinn, then uh, the public transport is free. Uh, but also, uh, in the last few years, actually, the roads for bicycles have been improving. Not, so ev not everywhere, but like bit by bit. There is this particular road that was annoying me for years, and now they added you know, smooth, uh, 
smooth thing is, you know, to go from pedestrian to the road. The traffic uh, is ridiculous, so it's not worth driving anywhere here. Yeah, yeah, the traffic is ridiculous. I, I once I once took a taxi because it was late summer and I took a, a work somewhere and apparently it was the the high peak of like people going for work and stuff. I'm on a bike, I did not see that, but then we were just standing everywhere for, for like five minutes in this spot, five minutes in that spot, and the bicycle is free. And like I bought my bicycle for 50 euros off, yeah, me too. off like somebody else, mm-hmm. and it's totally decent, it works properly. And now, whenever I need to go somewhere, I know when I'm gonna be there, the traffic is not a bother, also, it's healthy mm-hmm. um, and fun. I, I mean, it's a very small yeah, for Italian, you can walk pretty much anywhere, and it won't take you more than an hour. The only thing you, you can't really, can really, can really go to Lastama just because it's up the hill. But if you don't live there, why would you go there? I mean, it's so it's so <laughs> easy to go pretty much anywhere. Yeah, pretty yeah. much anywhere you can walk to without a problem. Like from my house to parts of Mustamai, it's like two kilometers, two and a half kilometers. From my place to um, the university is three kilometers. Three kilometers, you do it in like what fifteen minutes? It's yeah. nothing. Twenty minutes. Uh, really, really want to take your time. It's easy. So. You can pretty much go anywhere in the city without without a problem, and I think it's a bit ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Way. And especially, especially if you're living on a budget. Yeah, but actually, taking taxi taxis is cheaper than having a car in Tallinn. You know, like if you take a taxi like once a week when you really need it, mm-hmm. then yeah, people think that they will save money by having their own car, but actually taking care of it and having a parking spot if it's not built into your Apartment building uh, takes much more resources than spending occasional money on, on taxes or things like that. Uh, just have to take care of it. You have to fix it. You have to paint it. You have to clean it. Mm. Um, adds up to more clothes. Clothes. Yes. Yeah. I don't really buy clothing, especially from like fashion brands or anything. I think it's stupid and ridiculous. Almost everything I'm wearing at the moment I found or was given to me uh, or less likely I might have gotten it from a second-hand store and I probably spent nothing. There's so many stores that you can spend like 50 cents for something here and it's amazing. But usually when you dumpster dive you find clothing too. I don't know why but you find clothing. Uh, there's always people that are trying to get rid of things. They say don't fit or this or that or the other. Doesn't matter. You get it. You wear it. I pretty much don't spend any money on clothing. I stopped spending money on clothing a few like I never shopping in general, but I definitely stopped spending money on clothing maybe like ten years ago. I was like, no, not worth it. I can find whatever I need. Same thing for haircuts. I always get a friend to do it for me or I do it myself. That's it. It's not. It's pointless for me to spend money on these things. But yeah, it's actually very nice that in Tallinn, even if you don't uh, find your clothes for free, you have a lot of shops that offer things for like euro fifty cents. Um, there are so many shops crazy. in Tallinn that you're so lucky to like. You can get it for euro fifty cents, and you can buy everything that you need. You know, and you develop your own style. Honestly, I'm a firm believer that like the clothes that need you will find. Well, that, that works with actually everything. Like it might sound like a, like millennial bullshit, but when things when you need things, they will find a way of finding you if you if you really want them. Like you will find people who are able to help you 
with whatever, with accommodation, food, clothes, whatever help you need. And you just have to sort of say yes to things when they come. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that the things that need you will find you is, is very good. I've been very lucky with my life, so <laughs> I can't really complain. Okay, yeah, just... uh, one of the best means of transportation that I've and that I think is a true experience that I really enjoy having is hitchhiking. Hitchhiking is an amazing experience, but not if you have, let's say you have a general destination in mind and you have a goal that you want to get to, but you should not be constricted by a time. Because it takes all of the spontaneity, it takes all of the magic away from hitchhiking if you say, okay, I need to be at this place by this day at this time. Because then you're not really hitchhiking uh, in the purest sense of hitchhiking, you're using it as a means of transportation. And I think that using hitchhiking as a means of transportation is nice in a certain way, but you really need to be free time-wise. If you want to hitchhike in um, the purest sense of what hitchhiking is, which I think is like a really a trust bond, like a trust and bonding experience that you can have with other people, because the person that's letting you into the car is trusting you in a certain way, and uh, you have to trust that person in another way, you know? And a lot of the times you won't speak the same language, so you have to find new means of expressing yourselves, and sometimes they'll be going places that uh, they'll invite you to, you know? They'll offer you a place to stay at night, uh, you know, a place to sleep, they'll ask, uh, instead of camping, or, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> camping in the woods, or trying to find something in general, like a cup surfing host, or etc., you know? They'll offer you a, a nice adventure. They're going to a lake here or they're going to a beach here and they invite you to come and meet their friends and blah, blah, blah. And it's always nice to be able to have the potentiality of taking that detour with someone. So you, I think that hitchhiking is a great way to uh, transport yourself. One, because you're not paying for another plane ticket. Two, you're not, you're not paying for anything because yeah, you're, you're saving money on that extent. And three, because you're really getting that bonding experience and understanding what trust is with people. And it's important to me to understand, like, okay, this is how this culture lives. This is uh, someone that, uh, you know, knows that uh, maybe I don't have anything or maybe I do have something, uh, you know, but they're giving me the experience and they're giving me their trust and they're giving me a way to another place. Uh, and I think that's that's a very important part of communication and understanding how the world functions in general. And it uh, starts to give you maybe a less pessimistic view of, like the kindness and the trust and the honesty that exists uh, around you and no matter what culture it is. Uh, but I have actually found that using hitchhiking as means of transportation, although, like like you say, it's not your thing uh, in that sense, but it actually works pretty well in the sense that you can estimate by, by which time you will get to a certain place. Like I've, I've never, I've almost never had, I mostly hitchhiked throughout Estonia, uh, and it's quite small, and I almost never had uh, this happen to me that I was hitchhiking and I needed to be somewhere and I didn't reach my destination in my estimated time. Because if you do it during the daytime, if it's not three of you, but just like one of you, um, then you can say that this amount of cars will stop in this period of time. And you but you're never be... sure someone is going to stop, you know? So why give actually, yourself the extra stress? But actually, the probability says that that, it, that somebody will. Mm-hmm. Like, it's uh, if you stand in the proper place, there's, there's a whole uh, science to hitchhiking, in a sense. If you stand in the proper place and you pick a proper time, and you're dressed appropriately for this, like uh, for girls, for example, is a bigger problem like you shouldn't be dressed too provocatively for example if you're hitchhiking even though of course 
It is not something that should affect anything, but just in case. Uh, but I found that you can you can estimate these things. It's like you know, uh, people who do busking, uh, they do have a certain. There was a very good TED talk by uh, Amanda Palmer, uh, who used to do she the living statue, and she said that she had a very um, very good est estimate of her income on every given day. Like on a Friday, it would be this this much, and then on Tuesday, this much, and then in this place, it would be this much, and this other place would be this much. Because even though uh, you cannot say, like, this particular person will stop or, or will give you money when you're busking, uh, in general, overall, there will be this percentage of people that will answer to your calling. So I can say that I'm here today. So obviously I'm not stranded somewhere and I made it to my destination always. But uh, I can say that uh, I've always made it somewhere in the time frame that I necessarily needed. Uh, most of the time I've never waited more than an hour. Like that's usually my never waited more than an hour, but there have been the few cases where I needed to be somewhere and I used hitchhiking, you know, as a means of transportation and I can definitely say that I didn't enjoy it as much. I definitely didn't enjoy it because I knew that I was trying to get somewhere. I was using these people as a means of transportation rather than, you know, as a as a means of experience. Yeah, of course, it just becomes a little bit different thing. Hmm. But how do you find hitchhiking in Estonia? Like, is it? I haven't. I haven't hitchhiked in Estonia. Okay. I've hitchhiked in maybe thirty or forty different countries, but I've never hitchhiked in Estonia. Yeah. I actually drove. Yeah, I came from my country to Estonia, that car. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it ended up being costing me cheaper to drive to Estonia than to actually fly to Estonia. Mm -hmm. So I decided to drive and I thought it would be a more fun experience. But I did pick up the checkers on the way because, you know, what goes around comes around. Yeah. And um, I definitely decided to drive to Estonia for the reasons of like, uh, I knew that it was also going to be good for me to come with my car because I could use my car in order to check out different dumpsters. And it would, I knew that in the long run, it saved me a lot of money to be able to dumpster dive. The hundreds of euros that I saved dumpster diving for the amounts of food that I get uh, is definitely worth the, what, uh, once or once for every one of months I fill up gas because I literally use my car to go dumpster dive. That's about it. But actually, if you ever. But you haven't been in Estonia for long, you said you came here in almost. Yeah, but actually Estonia feels like a pretty good place to hitchhike. Like again, it's very small, but you need to get to, to especially like go from bigger cities or like you know main roads, stop quite enough. So it's a, it's a good way to get it from. Like usually when I would when I was studying, I would take uh, I would hitchhike instead of taking buses. And it would take me roughly the same time as the bus because again it stops somewhere and blah blah blah. Uh, and usually when you are on main roads and you just travel from Tower to Nava, for example, straight there, so you can uh, oftentimes get a ride to your end destination with the first person that picks you up. Um, and I actually had one friend who was saying that he doesn't like hitchhiking because it takes away control from you. Because you do not control when you're gonna get there and uh, how long it will take you to travel somewhere. But for me, I found that it was the opposite. Like if I need to make it in time to be on the bus, like there's a timetable. I have to be there at that time to get on the bus, and, and I will be there like at my end destination this time. 
and I felt that I had more freedom when I can go onto the road whenever I want to, and I know that approximately a couple hours it will take me, and yeah, for me it was more more free than actually taking public comfort. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a good method if you have a, not a limited time period, I think, so, for, for me, like if you want to go traveling or if you want to go enjoy some time, if you have three months, yeah, of course, you if you have a business, uh, business meeting, yeah. <laughs> if you have three months and uh, you know you can hitchhike around and see where you go and try to get to your destination. I mean, of course, it's, uh, it's amazing and amazing way to travel. But if you only have one week of I don't know winter vacation or something like that, it's, it's nearly impossible. It's, it's really nearly impossible to get to your destination and then come back. You know, yeah. you'd spend more time on the road than you would be spending on I don't know. Uh, last year I traveled from uh, Jordan all the way up to Berlin, and by the checking it took us about a month, a month and a half, something like that. And we were really on schedule actually. We were trying to get to, to Berlin by a certain time of year because my friends had a flight. So it was it was fun, but we spent more time on the road than actually. Sounds a bit stressful. Yeah. Mm. So, how did you find your accommodation? Uh, how did I find my accommodation? So, basically, before moving to Estonia, I was looking for, I, I got my acceptance quite late, so I really didn't know I was moving to Estonia until August. So, around then, I started to looking for accommodation through the regular websites and whatnot. I found one place that was like super cheap, 150 euros a month, something like that. and. Uh, I decided to book an appointment with them uh, for when I would arrive, and that kind of worked out, I guess. I Then one of my friends, I met up with them, and they said, hey, why don't you look for uh, gay communities? You know, uh, I've looked for gay communities around the world, like five, five, six around different continents. And um, I was like, yeah, that would be a great idea, because really, you know, there's always some sort of community somewhere around. I don't know why I hadn't thought of it before. And I was, I was looking, 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 and I could not find anything about communities in Estonia. And like when you don't speak the language, or it's not like you know a common language, uh, then it's even it gives like an extra challenge on being able to find it. And then finally, when I was looking for it, I saw this post on Facebook about this one community going on—not uh, a community, but whatever—still <laughs> community. And uh, so I sent a message to the girl, and I was just like, "Hey," I gave her a description of myself. I said, "Like this is what I like to do." This is the they've lived in, this is how, uh, you know, this is what I think I can implement in it, and uh, she answered me back, and um, then I decided not to go to the other place, I went to um, to the same day I arrived, uh, so the, the, my first day in Tallinn, I went to go to um, the meeting with her, I saw it, and then uh, I ended up couch surfing there for 10 days, and then I finally was able to move, move. <laughs> and it was good, uh, I was pretty happy because like I wasn't expecting it, and it just came out of nowhere, and uh, I got super lucky. I, I really can't complain. So the things you need to find <laughs> in certain ways, yes, they do. You know, I can't say if it's my personal luck or if it was a you know perseverance, but uh, one way or the other, I'm here and <laughs> living on a budget. Should be like like a king song with coin sounds after every time you say living on a budget. <laughs> living on a budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, for me, the Berla 
because for me the the most important thing that I have to that I sort of say to myself that I have to keep track of is being able to pay my rent, which in Thailand unfortunately is quite high and keeps getting higher like ridiculously. The like usually the minimum amount you have to pay for one bedroom apartment, which might be just like a room with like 16 square meters room with a kitchen in it and with just like a small shower place and a bathroom is like 200 euros plus plus water and electricity and everything like that. If you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this is usually far away from, from the city, from the center. So, or you might like work in one part of Tallinn and then live in another one. And it's just a little ridiculous when you're looking on your own. Like it's ridiculous, especially if you're a full-time student and you know the minimum wage is like... 500 euros a month or something. So you're just telling yourself, I'm going to be spending more than half of my salary just to be able to afford an apartment to stay. I think it's ridiculous. It's, it's crazy for me that, uh, you know, in a place where there's such a minimum salary, but yet the rent is so high. And I definitely blame a lot of the tourism industry and the foreign students coming in. Like Estonia wants to expand its borders, but it's not really allowing its own population to grow. And for me, it's insane because it's like, well, how can you afford it? You know how I think that the, since there's been a large influx of tourists and there's been a large influx of international students that can actually afford paying these prices, you know, a lot of the people have told themselves, okay, well, I'm going to rent it out for more expensive so that I can make cash in my own budget. This is what a lot of people want to do. They want to be able to make more money, more money, more money. And for me, it's insane that how, 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 how? I, I don't understand it. Like uh, me, just barely with my super cheap rent, with my dumpster diving, with not my spend, extra spending. Like, I, I'm spending so little money and uh, I still feel like, wow, I'm not living on a budget enough. Like, uh, I am trying so hard, but, you know, mm -hmm. to live on a budget and at the end of the day, I still feel like I'm spending way more money than I'd like to be spending. And just because prices are quite ridiculous, especially versus the amount of money that you actually can make in the country. But that is actually where human connections come is the resource that I think, especially in Estonia, like mostly in other countries, we sort of overlook that a lot of the things that you cannot afford by means of money, that you cannot financially afford, you can afford through people. Again, if you're trying to rent out a place by yourself, it will be crazy expensive. But if it's five or like four people, then uh, like per, per person, per room, the apartment will be much cheaper than those 200 euros. Uh, if you're trying to like live together or again if you find communities for accommodation and for food and again for clothes like if you need an item of clothes there will be a lot of people around you that are like ready to throw away something whatever mm -hmm. you need but you have to sort of build those connections and be ready to ask people for help if you need it and also be ready to accept the help which is being offered because a lot of the times people uh, you were saying that you try and invite people dumpster diving, but nobody ever goes, and still they complain that they don't have any money and that they do not have anything. But there is a solution that people are just not crazy a lot of times. I guess it's embracing living community standards. I guess it's embracing, you know, living on a budget. I guess it's embracing a lot of new things that. Uh, you know, we're all searching for these comforts, but I feel like these comforts have been sold to us, you know. You can only be comfortable if we're living in a specific way, but actually, you can really make yourself feel comfortable living in any way you feel comfortable in, or even some comforts, they're learned comforts. Most comforts are learned comforts. Like, you learn to 
working as striving to a direction of psychology. Uh, but most comforts come from like the comfort within. And if you are comfortable with yourself, then you will be comfortable with everything else. So fun stories about uh, low budget living. Uh, I remember one time um, we got caught by the manager. The manager walks out and he starts yelling at us like, what are you doing? Why are you taking our food and uh, whatnot? And uh, we look at him and we're super lost. We're like, mm, well, you know, <laughs> we, we just wanted to eat. And uh, this uh, this uh, lady, she passes by and she hears this guy yelling at us. And she turns around all of a sudden and she starts going off on him. It was insane. And she started yelling a bunch of curse words and saying, how can you treat these kids that are trying to eat, uh, you know, like this? You already threw away your stuff. Uh, but if you really wanted to keep it, then you should have kept it in the first place. Uh, and then she turns around and she looks at us and she says, kids, go, take your stuff and leave. Uh, and then she turns back around to him and then she starts going off on him again. And then she says, goodbye, have a nice day. And turns around starts going up and up and up and up and yelling a bunch of slurs at him telling him that he has no right to treat us like this that every person should be able to eat if they need to eat and we look at her with inspiration in our eyes we had stars coming out it was amazing we were so happy that this, this random woman comes up and protects us from this horrible manager that's yelling at us and what well, we're just trying to eat man <laughs> it was so good it was such a powerful story for us and i think all of us will remember it for the rest of our lives because you know it's amazing that uh, you know there's like uh, we're doing something and trying to feed ourselves and then there's this random stranger that gives us an act of kindness and kind of empowers us to continue doing what we're doing you know because she really understands that like you know one there is way too much waste going on and two, like, uh, you know, we shouldn't be treated like shit just because we are, I shouldn't curse. Um, we shouldn't be treated like that just because we, we are looking for food in the dumpster, you know? It's, it's just kind of like part of our lifestyle. Yeah, but that's a, a good thing when you open up to people. People open up to you and if you are willing to accept this help. Honestly, if you try and embrace trust, kindness, and honesty, and you really portray it in all of the aspects of your life, then generally you will receive it back, you know? We all think that people want to hurt us, or, you know, people are afraid of us, but a lot of the time, people, no matter what culture they're from, or what place you're in, or, you know, what their ideologies are, they really try to help you, and they try and embrace you, and they try and tell you, like, it's okay, you know, to be alive, but as long as we, you know, have this mutual understanding, this reciprocity between us, then, you know, you treat me like a person, I treat you like a person, then it doesn't matter what your cultural, religious, uh, ideological backgrounds are, you know, because we're all just trying to make it through one day or to the other, and... We really should embrace these aspects of ourselves and not live in perpetual fear of the judgments of other people, what they think, or, you know, that they hate us, or this or that or the other. That actually probably comes hand in hand with people not being able to sort of manage their budget in a proper way. Like, a lot of times you buy expensive clothes again because you want to, you want to portray this image of, you know, being successful and having things and being able to afford certain things. Or you cannot tell your friends no when they want to go out for coffee, which is like ridiculously priced. And you can have coffee at home if you want to, or you can like brew it and go somewhere and sit somewhere, whatever. Uh, but you sort of say yes to these things just because you're conditioned to think that this is how society is supposed to operate. And if you're not in this sort of lifestyle, then you're somehow less 
of a person uh, than others. I don't know. I feel like that is like a thing that that people are not willing to overcome. Yeah, but conditioned to want to consume, you know, and there's yeah. so many alternatives to be able to live and enjoy yourself, whether it's going swimming or on a walk or, you know, just enjoying each other's company. And, you know, we're so centered, like centered on wanting to spend our money or having this budget or wanting to do this. And it's a bit ridiculous because there's so many ways to enjoy yourself, to write poetry, to go to free events, to go, you know, join a dance collective or to go anything there's so many things that you can do without actually spending money and really enjoy each other's company that uh, you know or enjoy your life to to its fullest and that doesn't necessarily revolve around having money like uh, i think money has become like a driving factor of like our ideologies and how we're supposed to have fun and you know everything is supposed to be still worthy but you can live an insta worthy life uh, without money or without traveling or without all of these extra luxuries uh, which are essentially just sold to us as luxuries you know there's so many ways to cook meals with friends with the dumpster food that you got and you know talk about whatnot hey you know or uh, embrace new ways of living and i think that once we try to open up uh, to the different aspects of the life around us and open up to maybe a new uh, new experiences that we have yet to have uh, and embracing new opportunities and we start to find a lot more a lot more fulfillment in the things around us and uh, a lot more fulfillment in our own lives and it makes us more open to ask for help to other people or uh, offer help to other people or really just be there as like a good friend and a good partner not only to other people, but to yourself. Uh, about fulfillment, uh, that it sort of devalues your experience when you sort of, I guess, like it detaches you from from the experience that you get and from the work that you put into getting something, if you pay for your experience. In contrast, like if you uh, have to find, for example, a free concert or like organize an event with your friends at home, and it will be just as fun as going to the club, but it's way less. It might be like a better or warmer environment, and people are there who actually want to be there. And also, you feel like you've done more to achieve this because it's not that you're just giving off money, which doesn't it just doesn't feel as a personal interaction. Like you're just exchanging funds for for fun or whatever. Uh, so it yeah, it brings more fulfillment also in the sense that that you've actually achieved this thing, that you're here, you did it, you organized it, or you decided you like took an act of Yeah, and you just try you try to embrace, you know, your experiences. I think that's an important factor. I was in a club once, man, and I decided to go dancing, you know? And there was no one in the club. There was no one in the club and I just wanted to go dancing, you know? It was here in Estonia and Okay, maybe it was a bit early, and like for me, if I'm going and I'm spending, I don't know, five euros, I think the entry was. If I'm spending five euros, uh, and I'm going to a club just to sit down or drink drinks or this, that, and the other, it's stupid for me. Why did I even go to the club? <laughs> you know? Like for me, I'm going to listen to music and I'm going to embrace like myself. I, I want to get on the dance floor and groove. You know? I really want to have fun. And this, this club, um, I was dancing and I was really enjoying myself and all of a sudden I turn around and I see these two girls uh, sipping on their drink and they're videotaping the whole way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's ridiculous. For me it's just kind of like, I walk up to this girl and I look at her and I'm like, 
the hell are you doing? You know, one who gave you the right to start videotaping me while I'm dancing? Because if you think this is your type of fun, are you really having fun? Like for you, it's fun to sit down and start videotaping other people because if you came to the club only to be able to do this, then you're obviously not here for the right reasons. You know, you decided to spend money just to say that you're having fun by videotaping me having fun. That's not having fun, is it? Now, you know, I was like, what the fuck? Like, what is your problem, honestly? Are, are you, you know, that's not fun. It's a very nice point. People instead of actually having fun, go to see other people have fun because. They cannot allow themselves to have again for all for all the reason of like not being able to surrender to, to your environment and and, and, and like be in it. I looked at her and I was like, you know what? You need to liberate yourself. I come here so I can liberate myself from a stressful week and I can enjoy myself on the dance floor, you know. And uh, if this is your idea of fun, then you need to get the out of here. Culture. And you need to really get out of here because uh, I need to see you on this dance floor expressing yourself and liberating yourself. Because if I was anyone else and I didn't have the strength that I have today, you know, I would have left the club. I would have not had fun. I would have been annoyed and sad that uh, my video is going to show up on the internet and uh, everyone is going to see me just doing my thing on the floor. And I don't think that's cool, honestly, because I came here tonight to, to really express myself and liberate myself and not be judged by my peers or, you know, uh, be viewed by the outside world that I wasn't asking to be viewed by, you know? So either lose yourself in the music and dance, lose yourself in your dance, lose yourself in the night that you're enjoying, but not on your phone screen, you know, just or leave. You can have much more fun being on your phone at home, trust me. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. Yeah, yeah, you said it. Nice. Have you been been able to, or do you like uh, go to like concerts or like things like that, or some, I don't know, open mics? Um, I don't know, poetry events, movies. I do. I'm part of a poetry club here that all my friends open, and we do it once a month. It's pretty cool. She started the event and now we're having like uh, hundreds of people signing up wanting to go and it was it was quite we weren't expecting it mm -hmm. and uh, so it, it's been good. We've had three sessions so far and uh, we try and organize something once every month and we got uh, you know connection with the hostel that's trying to use them, this uh, event as a promotion so they're giving us the space for free which is pretty amazing. So we just cook a bunch of food and uh, you know we enjoy the night and we share poetry and we have workshops. Uh, there's a lot of free events. If you start talking to people, you always meet someone that's working at a club yeah, or something, yeah. and then they get you on the guest list and whatnot. Uh, um, there's so many ways that you can go in the park. Technically, you're not allowed to have a beer in the park, blah, blah, blah. But come on. We but do you, don't it have, anyway. you don't have to have a beer to have fun. Like exactly. Like that. But so. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can, I don't know, go digs or whatnot at your own home park, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but uh, you know, we go, we sit. I recently went on a walk. Sunday, I was like, fuck, I've been in my room all day long. So I sent a message to one of my friends and I was like, I'm going to go on a walk throughout the old town and through a park. Do you want to come with me? Because I need to get out of my room. Yes, you know, and I had a great evening. I'm not going to complain. You no, know, actually, actually, people stopped going on walks. Like when I was a kid, it was like a thing. If you like ring up your friends and you're just like, let's, let's have a walk. Like it's not nothing else. Let's just go have a walk. And now people just think that they... When you when you become an adult, you're sort of like walking is wasting my time. Like I should be doing something, and if I'm like leisuring, I should be like in a cafe, or I should go to a concert, or like whatever an event, and then that is rest, and that is where I communicate with my friends. But like no, you can just walk. Walking is amazing. Also, it's good for your health, for your mental health. 
or reconnecting with people you haven't seen or just like chatting. It's amazing. It's there's the best free thing workshops. There's free movies at that school. There's free movies. Yeah. There's free movies all over. Certain embassies give free movie nights in the park. Uh, Dallin itself offers a lot of free nights. I mean, I've been to like the Onion Festival. I've been to the Fish Festival. I've been to the Lights Festival. I've been to the End of Summer Festival. There's free festivals everywhere where how, you can just enjoy. How do enjoy. you usually find them? Like, Facebook or just people? People tell you Facebook, this or that and the other. There's always something. There's house parties. Um, this past Saturday, I went swimming in the ocean. You know, just for the fun of it. I've been mushroom picking a few times uh, in the forest. Uh, amazing, you know. There's sauna. Well, actually, that is such a... a, a okay, in Estonia, not so overlooked. Uh, in Europe, people just... And in America, people just don't go mushroom picking. And, and, and they just go every freaking day. Like go, you can yeah. store, you can store it for... Dry them, uh, store them, ferment fruit. them, pickle them, yes. can them. There's so many ways to do it, you know? Yes. Uh, so we go mushroom picking, we've been berry picking, you know? I've helped uh, certain friends out on farms whose parents have farms. I've uh, been to saunas for free. I mean, like, there's so many experiences to be had in uh, Estonia in itself. And you don't need to spend money for that. You just need to open yourself up and put yourself out there and people will be offering you things, you know? You say, hey, I'm a mister. Hey, uh, what's your name, Miss Nath? And they say, bah, I don't know. I have this farm. My friends need help. Let's go. Or, uh, you know, I'm going this here, this place on the weekend. Let's go. Or, like, a boat rides. I know so many people that sail. You know, it's so easy to find things to do and occupy your time, but you just need to want to do them and look for them, really, you know? And then... Again, they'll find you, you know, you're always going to be offered. I mean, your life isn't going to be an adventure every week, of course, uh, but, you know, if you're open for it to come and you don't start to locking yourself away and you give yourself the opportunity to be able to have these experiences, they come. They definitely come. I feel that for a lot of people, again, what I've heard people say about hitchhiking, for example, is that that people don't want to impose themselves or... Uh, you know, like, make other people help them, they feel that that it is not respectful to the person that they're asking help from, aside from hitchhiking, whatever it be, they're asking somebody to accommodate you, or to take you to an event for free, or to, you know, but I don't, like, I like helping, helping people, if I have an opportunity to help someone, even if I'm not offering it, because, because sometimes I don't know that the person needs it, uh, so, if you are okay with yourself and somebody asks you, please, could you do this? If you can't, you say no. And then if you can, if you want to help, it actually will benefit, like it will feel good for you also. So every time, every time you're denying a person by not asking them, you're denying them the opportunity. You're, and you're denying, denying them the opportunity. To feel you're, good you're, also. you're also denying yourself the opportunity. Yes. And I think this is an obstacle of insecurity. Yes, yes, of course. This is sure. an obstacle of like, uh, you know, this is a reflection of oneself and an obstacle of insecurity in the sense that, uh, you know, um, because you don't want to ask or, you know, because you're afraid of asking or because of whatever reason, you know. But in the end, the only person that you're denying anything is yourself. You're denying yourself the opportunity to have a new experience or to open up to, to that experience. I actually wanted to ask also, like, how long you've been living on this, like, minimal budget lifestyle? Like, why, how did it come to be, if you want to talk about that? Mm, I can definitely tell you how I started dumpster diving. Mm-hmm. Um, I started dumpster diving, well, uh, a friend of mine had seen it 
documentary about Thomas Diving in the U.S. and then she got super excited about it because I don't think I had heard about it beforehand. And um, then uh, she offered that we start doing it together. And so we attempted our first time, which was super scary because we had no idea what was going to go on. It was dark and we were trying this thing for the first time and it went so well. We found so much stuff and that's a bit how I, my process of starting to dumpster dive. And uh, living on a budget, I don't know. Uh, there was a few alternative like movements that were going on. Like, I'd been in a few spots in Switzerland before that as well, 2012. Um, I've always been a budget traveler. I've always liked traveling, so I've always been moving places, and I always try to find a way to get from one place to the other. Yeah, uh, the, let's talk about like some of the alternative movements. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the 1% movement, like 2010, 2011. Uh, well, there was this big movement where they were making like, uh, you know, everyone was camping in the middle of cities. I was part of this movement in uh, the country I'm from, and so we were staying in the main park in the middle of our city, and uh, we created a huge camp in the middle of the park with a bunch of like uh, tarps and uh, we started creating generators and we stayed there for two months in the middle of winter, which was insane. Nice. It was super cold and uh, yeah, it was just like, uh, I don't know. I feel like in my country we have a lot of alternative lifestyles or big rates going on. We have a lot of people that are promoting uh, yeah, different ways of living. There's lots of squats, uh, you know. I think it slowly became a part of me without me actually seeing it. You okay. know, I just always ended up meeting people, and uh, with those people, I started to learn a bit more about myself and a bit more about like how I interact with the world around me. And uh, with that, uh, every year I slowly progressed with it, and I'm I'm still progressing. You know, I'm still learning more about like ways to budget, ways to save, ways I impact my planet, ways I impact myself, and uh, I'm slowly learning what I should do and what I should change and of course I don't always live the best version of myself because I am subject to my environment, I'm subject to around me, I'm subject to a lot of things, uh, my, my specific condition at the moment, but I always I guess, try my best to implement the person I want to be every day and uh, how I influence the people around me and how I, that's how I kind of Slowly grew into it every year and learned more. We could hiking, we work meeting zero waste communities or living in communities or, uh, you know, it's up to me, homegirl, because I'm going to be, I can talk about anything. Yeah, I can do that. But I think that we talked about everything. Okay, so thank you very much for talking to us and being here. Thank you for listening and make sure to check out the TLU Current Event Podcast Facebook page. Bye-bye!